Today, we're weighing in on Tina Powell's Way In. Hey everybody, it's Maureen, and this is my podcast, Weighing In on the Way In, where I speak to dynamic women behind the scenes in the entertainment industry and find out everything they did and didn't do to land their current career position. With an emphasis on current, because let's face it, we evolve, we move on, and we lean in closer to a more purpose-driven life. Along the way, we amass a goldmine of experience that I feel is worth sharing with anyone looking to get their foot in the door. As a producer and content creator and someone who loves to help others create winning strategies towards pursuing their passions, I'll also share tips on production and help you figure out the steps you need to take for your own way in. And once in a while, I'll drop some things about life because I learn something new every day and it just might help you too. So let's get into it. Today's guest was a part of my social media team for the Merge Summit. Tina Shakia Powell is a 29-year-old filmmaker born and raised in San Francisco, California. Her passion for storytelling delves into the art of music, theater, screenwriting, and directing. Tina is devoted to telling compelling stories that are relatable, truthful, and fearless. Her first love, music, began as a child. Both her parents and immediate family members are musically inclined, so Tina naturally developed an affinity towards singing. She eventually tapped into her songwriting skills and is currently working on her first body of work. Tina has always been one with words. By the age of 10, she began writing her first handwritten book, which she later developed into a monologue of pieces for her first play at the Brava Theater for Women in San Francisco. In 2006, she officially started taking acting classes, performing in plays such as Midsummer's Night's Dream, Polaroid Pictures, and Girltropolis. In 2009, Tina decided to take her passion for art across country to Clark Atlanta University, where she initially inquired about studying theater arts. After touring the media arts department and connecting with her soon-to-be advisor, Samaj Robinson, she decided to take her love for storytelling to a visual form and become a film student. Throughout her matriculation at CAU, Tina self-studied and taught herself major filmmaking techniques and went on to win a number of on-campus film festivals. By her senior year in 2013, Tina and her best friend, now co-producer Dante Rose, created the number one web series in Atlanta called College Boyfriends. The team went on to produce three full seasons from 2013 to 2015, generating over 2 million views and 15,000 plus followers and subscribers. After announcing the end of the series in 2015, fans and supporters urged Tina to continue the series. In Ode to the Series, Tina and her company, Bright Style Productions, are currently in pre-production for their feature film, It's Something About Life, a college boyfriend's story. The film will tackle topics of adulting, Black men, mental health, financial literacy, and the balance of health and wealth. Tina is currently a production assistant at Tyler Perry Studios. Welcome to the show, Tina. Happy to actually be here. <laughs> oh my God. How are you surviving this pandemic right now? You know, at first I was kind of struggling with it, but now I'm taking I'm taking it and utilizing it. So I've been 
actually becoming one with the quiet time, getting some work done, setting some quarantine goals and appreciating the, the downtime I'm having. That's good. What social media trend are you loving the most from IG? You know what? Actually, I'm loving that don't don't rush challenge everyone is doing. Yes, me too. I am like, I'm over here like, I want to do it. I want to do it. <laughs> you I should do it. I want to. I think I want to get some of my friends to do it. But I seen one with some um, young black boys and it was so adorable. They were. Oh um, my God, send that to me. Yeah, I got to send it to you. It was them just having books in their hand and they end up dressing up into like suits and stuff. Oh my God, it made me want to sun so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Tell everyone where they can find you on IG. So you can follow me at it's Tina Shakia. That is I T S T I N A S H A K I Y A H. And you can also okay. follow my company at Right Style Productions. That's W-R-I-T-E. Yes. S-T-Y-L-E production. S-T-Y-L-E. All right. So let's get into it. How was life growing up in San Fran? Life in San Francisco was fun. It was different than my life in Atlanta. <laughs> um, mm. it, was, it was fun. I was very active. I was very active in sports and um, just arts things. So I was always a busybody. I hated the weather in San Francisco, which is one of the things that kind of threw me out of San Francisco. Really? Yeah, we never had like seasons. It was kind of always, it was kind of always really cold, really foggy. Mm-hmm. and I just I hated it <laughs> I was just like anytime I had a chance to go somewhere hot I would yes well you eventually came to Los Angeles but before Los Angeles you spent your college years in the ATL shouting okay Hotlanta is what my mother calls it <laughs> yeah you're going back to Hotlanta Hotlanta. What was college Tina like? College Tina was actually all over the place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I was the the girl that came from a house of rules to being free. Okay, but okay. I was a very good balance of what you should be as a college student and maybe what you shouldn't quite be as a college student. So I was okay. always focused. I was definitely, definitely when I got into my second semester and I started to get more into my major, I was embedded in like in the lab, always just editing something. But I was also in the streets, <laughs> if that makes sense. Not, also in the streets. You know, I was always at a party, but I was balanced enough to be able to still maintain my matriculation, if that makes sense. Well, obviously you did because you created, and sorry if you hear a baby in the background, that's my little baby. (laughs) (laughs) It's supposed to be napping, but you know, life right Right. now. So it's all good. So you obviously had your head on your shoulders because you created a very popular web series called College Boyfriends. And Mm -hmm. I want to hear what inspired you to create this web series. College Boyfriends, it came out of pure, just a question, because we had to do a um, reality show for our producing class senior year for us to graduate. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. my professor at the time, you know, he was teaching us just different producing things with 
specific reality show that he told us, you know, go create an episode of a reality show. But by the time I was a senior, I was like an overachiever film person. So everything I did had related to creating some type of story. Okay. I was that go-to girl. So it was like, okay, get in the group. And everybody just came to me because they knew I was going to at least like do something really good. Mm-hmm. So while we were in our production meeting, me and my best friend Dante, we were like, okay, we got to do something that, you know, different. It was at the time where reality shows kind of just started getting popular. We started seeing mm-hmm. a lot of the basketball lives and all these other reality shows that focused so much on the woman's perspective yeah. that initially we said, okay, let's do college girlfriends just because, you know, we got all these other relationship series, but we don't have anything that relates to us as far as being college students. But then mm-hmm. I think because I naturally just hang around a lot of guys that I looked at my brother and I was like, no, let's do college boyfriends. And mm-hmm. he was like, boyfriends? I'm like, yeah, and we haven't seen a show yet that has to do with the male's perspective in any of these relationships and what right. they actually go through and how they um, process these things. So we ran mm-hmm. with that, um, pretty much making it a mock reality show, really guerrilla style, um, real fun and real light. Then... We ended up producing a full season because our next class was our, uh, I think it was our graduating seminar class, but we also had to produce um, a project. So we had to either produce a feature film or produce a series. So since we started College Boyfriends already in um, in our other class, we said, let's just finish College Boyfriends and we created 10 episodes. In terms of putting the series together was it easy for you to do so because you had access to equipment because a lot of people who are creating digital content either you know they're a one-man show but you Mm -hmm. seem to have had a team what was it like putting it together um, in terms of funding or equipment and finding the right people and actors like talk about that whole process so I have a team or I I have a team now during the beginning stages, we had a very small team, although it was a group project. You know what that means in college. So <laughs> while we mm-hmm. were producing it in college, it wasn't too much of a stress because it was just like, okay, everybody did their did their thing. But by the time we started producing the actual episodes and series, we it was just me, my best friend Dante, um, and my one of my other best friends, Brittany, that was doing everything. So it was kind of, kind of, one manish in a sense. You had a small team, basically, a very small team. I had a small team, very small team, and it was a struggle in the beginning, especially during the first half of season one and then second season, just because we were doing a lot of things. We were self funding. Um, we didn't have too much access to equipment as far as what the university gave us. And that's a different, mm-hmm. that's a whole other topic. <laughs> but mm. we always talked about so how. So, how did they expect you to do the listen. series? How, how did they expect you to complete the assignment? Listen, <laughs> we had access during class, we had access to um, equipment we could check out and everything like that. By the time we actually got to finish or do multiple episodes and like that, we were just using our own equipment by then. It's just protocol type of situation with this university. But Oh, got it. Right. And so were you guys working? Was it work study? Where were you guys getting the money from? 
we were working, we used refund checks, <laughs> and then we just, <laughs> we cut around corners as much as we can. We, we talk about it now, just how much we actually produce so much with so little. So little, yeah, that's commendable. Yeah, I tell people that a lot when I talk about it, it's just like, yeah, nowadays you have more access, I guess, to things, but back then, it was like, hey, if you want to do it, you could do it, you just got to cheat around the corners. <laughs> So, yeah, you got to do it gor- gorilla, gorilla style, basically. Style, right. Yeah. What was the initial reaction, your initial reaction, when you saw that this series was becoming popular and people were actually watching and, you know, talking about it? I was actually fairly surprised um, when I first decided to even do a whole series. I didn't put too much, like, thought on what this could actually be. In a, in a sense of like popularity or anything like that. Mm-hmm. The moment I dropped my trailer is when I said, oh, people may actually really like it because it generated about a thousand views. And this was back in 2013. So a thousand views then was like, oh my God, right? So right. it generated a thousand views within less than 24 hours. And I was like, oh, everybody's liking it. So mm-hmm. just the circuit of the trailer. And I had the trailer out actually for a while before we dropped the first episode. So mm-hmm. that just went around and the, and it was getting shared and it was like, oh, everybody's really anticipating this series. Mm-hmm. So by the time I dropped the first episode, <laughs> I was like on my, I was excited, but I was nervous to see what people were thinking. And mm-hmm. then I don't know when, when it, when it started blowing up and I started seeing the comments and the, the likes and everything, it was an inspiration. It definitely inspired me to keep it going. And yeah. I was like, wow. Like, I honestly didn't, I'm very hard on myself too. So I didn't really see in the beginning, like what everybody else was seeing. It was like, okay, yeah, I put it mm. out, but is it that good? But they're liking it. So keep going. Yeah. It should feel good that you put your heart into it and to see the reaction from yeah. people that they actually like it. It's, mm-hmm. That's a great feeling. And now with season three, um, like even now people still watch the series and they leave comments and they reach out to me about just how they related and how it touched them or helped them throughout some period in their life. And I think that's what really made me start taking it more serious or just looking at it from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. What was this, the most challenging thing about putting the web series together? The most challenging thing was to get, was getting people on the same page as you as far as, um, um, work ethic, momentum, and passion. I call it my okay. passion project because at the end of the day, I, when during season one, I used to have I had a problem with just getting people to actually put their all into working on the project because that's how, what I do. If I'm passionate about it, if I want to do it, I'm putting my all into it. But I learned quickly that a lot of people, if it's not their passion, they're not going to put a hundred percent into the yeah. art. And I learned mm-hmm. that, you know, doing this project. So I think that was the toughest part for me was just finding those people who are dedicated to and understand and see the vision and see the passion enough to actually put 100% into the project. Yeah, you have to find your crew because when you're doing something that you're passionate about and someone else isn't necessarily on the same page, it just makes it harder. It makes it and difficult. It's yeah, it's crucial to find people who are as excited about it as mm-hmm. you are. What was the thing that drew you to film making as opposed to TV? Mm, that's a good question because I actually 
enjoy both, but mm-hmm. I think it was just it's just a thrill of sitting in a theater and seeing a story from beginning to end. Okay. Versus yeah. sitting at home, and you can do this with being out, being at home watching a movie on TV and things like that. But I feel like movies just draw you into a situation. You don't have to worry, wonder too much about what's going to happen next for right. next episode because you know you're going to get that story if it's a good movie because some movies you know leave you hanging and you're like okay what happened but, <laughs> but a good movie will draw you in and keep you entertained keep you mentally and emotionally drawn to whatever story whatever character that you're you know watching throughout the two hours yeah you talk about your singing talents and how that eventually became um, songwriting talent for mm-hmm. you as well have you used any of the songs that you've created? I know that you don't have a full, but you're working on a full body of work, but have you ever used any of your songs and put it into in the, the College Boyfriend series? Yeah. I haven't yet. There are episodes where my character and other characters are working on music and you may hear my character sing some, like some lyrics. I would, I'd use those, my words for that. But as far as like my own music in the show, I haven't done it yet. I have recorded music. I just haven't put my project out yet to like use my own project. Put your project out. Well, after CAU, how did you end up back in California? So I spent eight, almost nine years in um, Atlanta before I decided to move back to Cali. And mm-hmm. when I decided, it was a very spur of the moment. I'm a very random and just quick moving person, naturally. Mm-hmm. And I found myself kind of getting, not necessarily bored in Atlanta, but maybe I was feeling getting a little comfortable in Atlanta, I was feeling like. So I yeah. said, I need something. I need a new environment. need something a little bit more edgy or, you know, scary. Maybe put some fire mm-hmm. under my butt. <laughs> so I woke mm-hmm. up and I was just like, you know what? I'm going to move to L.A., I'm going to give it a try. And I think I was so comfortable with the fact that I can go to LA and just go was because I'm from California. I know I got family. I know it kind of had somewhat of a safety net. Yeah. Because a lot of people always ask, like, how do you just pack your things up and just go? And I'm just like, well, it wasn't like I was going somewhere completely, completely foreign. Right. I took that um, took that jump. And my LA story is, is a story. <laughs> my LA story What's is your LA? Give us story. the brief LA story. My brief LA story is that I liked it, then I loved it, then I hated it, then mm-hmm. it almost killed me, then I left, then I came back. <laughs> wow. I okay, had, woo. <laughs> we need to hear a little bit more. When I got to LA, I had the intentions of going to film school at USC and just letting that drive my LA experience for the first part portion. And I didn't really, like I said, I kind of jumped at the moves. I didn't really 100% think everything through, but I just knew that was one of the things I was going out there to do. So when I went. that's fine. Sometimes you have to take a leap. Right. So when I went, I was like, I know I had the the basic plan. I had, okay, X amount of dollars in my pocket. I was going to stay with my cousin, um, apply for for medical school, (laughs) apply for film school. And when I got there. Everything kind of like, you know how you plan so much, but then it's, everything shifts. So I ended up not getting into film school, and that kind of threw me off because I was like, why wouldn't I get in? Mm-hmm. And then it kind of left me in L.A. saying, okay, so what's next? So I right. jumped around trying to look for, at the time, just look for a job, period, because, of course, you need money. 
and then mm-hmm. um, figure out film-wise what I wanted to do. And I spent about a year just, you know, writing my own projects, working just to get some money in my pocket, and making sure that I spent time with all of my creative friends just so I could stay working and stay moving in the arts. What were you doing? Odd jobs? Oh, I was working on for like Forever 21. I was serving mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. everything. I hated it. Like I, I hated serving. I told myself when I moved from Atlanta, I was never serving again. And then I found myself serving at Buffalo Wild Wings. And I was like, what am oh. I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? But let me ask, when you decided to go back to LA, you ha- did you hadn't already applied to USC? You were going to apply when you got there? Yeah, I had left LA I mean I, I moved to LA in June mm-hmm. the next year that I could apply for was either I think a winter got it okay yeah so I had just you know I got went there to get settled in and everything like that and then I worked okay. on my application but I mean I had a great time my first like when I first got there I had a great time because I like I said I have a lot of creative friends that's there so I was at events I was networking I was at showcases at film screenings and Mm -hmm. so forth so I was in the world and in the environment which I absolutely loved I think what LA does to people and what it did to me was that the struggle just became so much that it took the the fun out of being in the environment that you wanted to be in you know right and so when you talk about the struggle you mean getting entertainment jobs or getting into um, booking roles I'm talking about it all from Mm -hmm. getting jobs to living search situations to financial situations to health situations my biggest Mm um my biggest L I think I took when I was in LA was that um which is what took me out of LA was that I got sick and when mm-hmm. I got sick in LA, it kind of broke me down a little bit to the point where I was just like, okay, I can't do it anymore. I can't be out here mm-hmm. struggling financially, struggling to create my art and I'm not feeling good. And I don't have my primary family around me. So I was kind of like all over the place, you know? Right. You needed that stability. Again. Yeah. And I, I didn't mm-hmm. have it. So I was like, you know what? Let me go back home, get better. And then. I told myself when I went back home, I said, okay, I'm only going to be back home for X amount of months. By this month, if I'm mentally okay, I'm going back to LA. If not, I'm going back to Atlanta. So I had that ultimatum. My biggest W, I think, that I got, no, I know that I got when I was in LA is that I ended up getting into a program, an entertainment program called Dream Chasers Incorporated with T. Lee Montgomery and Michelle Sneed, who is actually now the president of production at Tyler Perry. So they Uh, have a program called Dream Chasers that I got into in 2017 that took me back mm -hmm. to L.A., which was a mentorship program that focuses on on women in the arts in whichever medium that that they are in and just getting Mm -hmm. them training, preparing them for work-related environments and et cetera, et cetera. So I went there and I met Tilly and a whole bunch of other people just going through the program that it landed me in the center of opportunities. It gave me mm-hmm. chances to work um, like the BT Awards, the MTV Awards, the Billboard Awards, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Was it difficult to get into the program? Um, it was a, it was about three rounds of mm-hmm. different things we had to do as far as we had to write an essay and mm-hmm. some other like video interview, I think we had to do. So it was about three rounds. They actually told me that it was 
I was like neck and neck with the last person to get accepted. Really? Mm-hmm. She was like, um, it was one other girl that was really good, but it was just something about me that they wanted. So, did she ever thing. tell you what that thing was? That it factor that you have? She didn't tell me. She didn't tell okay. me the it factor. So that that's great that you got into the program and brought you back into LA. So how did you end up back at Atlanta? Were you offered a job at Tyler Perry Studios? Yeah. So again, um, I went back to Atlanta. I mean, I went back to LA from San Francisco to give LA a try again. Mm-hmm. And when I went back, I told myself again, I said, I'm gonna give myself a year to get it together on my own. Cause I have this, I mean, maybe I think too high but I have this vision of how I want to live just live so I told myself you have to have a vision though (laughs) right the bible says if you don't have a vision you're gonna perish okay (laughs) I get back to LA I only wanted to stay with my family for x amount of time I need to get somewhere where I'm comfortable by my like I was I really wanted my own place so I was like Mm -hmm. I either buy my own apartment where I can afford it da 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 or at least find me a roommate that I can live with because I actually don't like roommates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I ended up working. Um, I ended up working a lot of jobs in LA my second go around. So I started working for BET, Viacom, um, doing jobs for VH1 and stuff out there. And then mm-hmm. I got linked with Mickey Love, who is now the vice president, I believe, of UMC. Okay. And um, Shayla Ch- Shedlia Chapman. <laughs> And I mm-hmm. became their PA for um, different feature films for BT Her. So I worked with them on a number of, I think, three projects. And okay. the last project that we had was in Atlanta. So I think it was around November time. And I was reviewing my goals and you know my progress in LA. And I said, okay, I'm not too close not that close to where I want to be in order for me to stay in LA because I gave myself that time frame. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, you know what? Around that time, I was like, you know what? Maybe um, maybe us going to Atlanta would be a good thing in a good time for me to just, you know, make that transition back to Atlanta because I, I knew from one that Atlanta, if anything, was my safety net for myself. Okay, yeah. Somewhere that I am mentally okay somewhere that yeah. I am financially able to take care of myself. That's important. That's one thing that LA did give me. It gave me a sense of mental awareness. Yeah. It helps me start getting into like more meditation and yoga and things like that. And that became important to me. So I was like, you know, my mental health isn't 100% out here. Let me go back to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Maybe get right. So I've been out here for a year. I used that opportunity and just, again, packed my bags and called my family from the plane. Like, hey, I'm moving back to Atlanta. <laughs> I love it how you just get up and go because, you know, I mean, even though you're not sure of what exactly will happen, you're still in tune with yourself and what's good for yourself. So it's like you're listening to your insides, you know, that whisper and it's like, okay, it's time for us to get up and go to Atlanta and you trust it and you go. So that's, that's a good thing because not a lot of people can just get up and go. Right. How did you find out about the program? What is the program called again? It's Dream Dream Chasers. Dream Chasers. Okay. I found out about it. I think I was honestly just doing some online searching things. Okay. And I came across their website. Okay. You applied and got in. 
Okay, so now you're back in Atlanta and what is your living situation? What becomes your work situation? Well, my living situation right now, currently I'm actually living with my mother. My mother moved out here in July of last year. My mm. father passed away in June and, you know, situation so just came. Hear that. It's okay. Yeah, I'm very sorry. learning how to live with it, Thanks, you know day by day but it's day by day my mom yeah. ended up moving out here for yeah definitely day by day but she moved out here and um bought a house and everything like that so I ended up giving up my apartment and just moving in with her just so I can get her situated and you know acclimated okay. with the Georgia life yeah currently working at Tyler Perry I've been there since January now okay how do you like it what's the vibe like actually really enjoy it I like it the vibe is very homey you know you see so many of us you know black faces black people women mm-hmm. in power working and creating so I love that atmosphere of perspective of everything and the vibe is very homey like I said because it's like you're in the office with your big brother all day goofing around mm-hmm. we're getting work done but it's playful it's like a lot of my CAU family works there, so it was like, oh, you know, oh, okay, hey. that's good. Yeah, even yeah. um, even uh, people that are higher up who are older, like our CAU alum or maybe AUC alum, you know. So I got some OGs that are there, <laughs> some young people mm-hmm. that are there. So it's a mix. So that's yeah. a plus. That's a plus. One of the good things about being a production assistant is that you get to see all of the other roles that you can potentially fall in love with and eventually want to do what are you seeing yourself eventually wanting to do I'm actually wanting to of course be more on the directing side so I I was speaking to one of my co-workers about going into the AD department because of course which is the audio video which is the um no AD assistant directing Oh, AD. Okay, AD. Okay. So that I could just get more in tune with um, the day or the step-by-step, day-by-day type of process with the talent and et cetera, et cetera. With the talent, Mm -hmm. with the schedules and everything like that, I've been working in production for some years now. And I'm ready to change departments, if that makes sense. Yeah. Definitely want to start getting into um, maybe some set design. And that's just because me as a filmmaker, period, like I've always wanted to be hands on kind of like almost every step, even when I was in college, like, you know, we would build our own sets, we would do all these other things. Just doing set design, I think, would help me as a visual person. Yeah, set design is big. Set design, mm-hmm. art direction. I mean, set design, you're actually building the set. Right. So art direction is more so like they're bringing in like the props. And it's funny, I was watching a masterclass the other day and the actress asked, I forget her name right now, but she asked, you know, what's breakable and what's not, you know, mm-hmm. for her scene, like what she could actually, like, what do they have doubles of? And I was like, right. well, that's interesting. I didn't, I didn't know that myself because I lean more towards digital and television than mm-hmm. film. Um, that's why I had asked you why, why film and not TV. Yeah. So what's the flexibility like at Tyler Perry studios as a production assistant? Do they allow you to hop from different departments so that you can get a better feel of what's happening in those departments or do you have to stay put? No, definitely. Um, since I've been there, I've seen some PAs, of course, change departments a few times. Mm -hmm. But it it depends on where we are in production. So, of course, we're not just jumping from position or department to department 
during production yeah. but yeah. you kind of are too because everything is ran like a family so at Tyler Perry we produced three shows at the same time we produced Young Dylan House of Pain and um a show called Assisted Living all at the same time three different teams mm-hmm. but at the same time we were one team so it would be times where I did have to go down to the stage. So I was kind of in the AD world. It would be times where I had to go maybe assist some of the PAs for um, costumes. So I was in wardrobe. So it's, it's depending on how you look at it, you kind of do get to dabble. Um, yeah. And again, because the relationship between the entire, I guess, work staff is very family-like. It doesn't seem rather because I haven't tried it or requested it yet, but it doesn't seem like it would be too difficult of a task to be able to change from department to department. Yeah. Were you at the opening of the studios? This the big I was. ceremony? I was. I wasn't really? actually, Yeah, I wasn't actually in that suit. So I wasn't actually an employee at the studio at the time. Um, I came in volunteering. Mm-hmm. with another one of my dream chasers um hookups so I ended up being able to you know be in the be in the room I was in the room and yeah, I think you were in the room for a reason <laughs> I was telling my mentor I was told, telling her like you know I think the biggest takeaway of that experience was just actually feeling the the energy that the room held when everybody mm-hmm. was there, you know, I was amongst yeah. people like Felicia Rashad, Viola Davis, Monica, Ti. You know, what I mean, everybody you probably could probably could think of was in this room. Royalty, yeah. Royalty. Jennifer yeah. Hudson, like I felt like I was a part of that world, and it was crazy because I'm like, that's the world I'm. But you are, you are a part of it, even though you aren't at the level that you want to be at right now you are a part of it that's why you were there yeah we are so busy looking to the future that we don't just settle in the moment not settle Mm -hmm. in the moment but really take in the moment that I'm here I may not be here as a director but I'm still part of this room which means I belong here right so that's pretty cool that you were there so are you ever around Tyler I'm only when I'm on set so I go to set um pretty often so when I'm on set Mm -hmm. you know we get Mm -hmm. to see his directing style and be in the room with him then um that's Mm -hmm. the only time I actually really see him though okay so you haven't really interacted with him much no not yet okay not yet not yet (laughs) I know that he is a huge writer and he writes all of his shows and you you're a writer how do you feel about that so that kind of threw me a little, little mm-hmm. loop because I, for a little bit, because I understand the whole like self-writing thing because I'm, I am a self-writer too, mm-hmm. but I want to write with people because I have written with people before and it, it gives you this difference when you could pitch ideas and toss around thoughts in your head versus just tossing them to yourself because you're never getting any yeah. feedback. Yeah, um, it's a different perspective. Right. And I think that's what that's what the importance of a writer's room is so that you can touch on everybody's perspective and get different Mm -hmm. opinions and Mm -hmm. let other people shed their light into the story so that everybody can kind of feel included when they're watching it yeah because you want that I mean life is made up of experiences and so you want a shared experience and that eventually becomes something that you create and is relatable to whoever is watching so I wonder if he's ever going to change that. Have you ever been in a writer's room? 
Not yet. Not yet. Not, I keep saying it. Not well, you've yet. been in your own writer's I was about to say, so. outside of my own. <laughs> and speaking of that, because you had such a huge success with College Boyfriends, now you are working on, you're in pre-production for a featured film. I am. That's exciting. Right. It's something about life. So talk to me about that, what you're doing to raise funds, where you guys currently are, who's on your team. Tell me some more. So it's something about life is a feature film adaptation of the College Boyfriend series. It's pretty much a visual piece of where we stand as adults coming straight out of college and Mm -hmm. how important it is for us to balance certain things in our life in order to feel stable, meaning we have to balance our health, mental and physical. We have to balance our relationships, romantic and platonic. We have to balance our financial situations and we have to balance our urge or our yearn to do what we have to do, quote unquote, and do what we're passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, so currently we are producing kind of like a three-part project because we're producing the feature film, of course but we're also producing a four-part limited series for YouTube so that our YouTube fan base could still feel included in what we're producing because the feature film is not necessarily going straight to YouTube. It's going for um, festival circuits and things. Just a quick question regarding your YouTube channel. Do you still feel like you have the same community since you haven't really created much content since College Boyfriends? We definitely, um, my team and I talked about that we definitely still have the the community. It's just okay. about us getting them back active. Because when we first started, our whole following was very, very active as far as um, just interactions, live interactions. Everybody was just so embedded into the project as if they were a part of the process. Yeah, It's just about us kind of getting, getting them reared back up. Back then, it was kind of easier because it was just when Twitter started popping. So it was like my social media team was on it. So where it was like every day, like these interactions were going up. Mm-hmm. My team and I, we were talking. We were just like, we just got to get back that momentum on different platforms now because, you know, social media has expanded and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But I think we still have the supporters. And the thing is, too, is that our supporters grew up <laughs> now they're graduated from college college now so it's funny because I keep commenting I get people following me like oh my god I used to watch this show back in the day when I was a freshman and so it's like (laughs) dang it's only been x amount of years to me but for you guys it sounds like an eternity because you guys grew up watching Mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. so it's definitely um the same but a little different (laughs) so what's the plan of action for getting everyone excited and getting new people excited about the film we have a whole lot lineup of like promo things and just different things that the cast could do with our fans to get them excited for the movie so we have different challenges different social media things different campus things that we are planning to do with not only the abc but different hbcus that we haven't we haven't finished like tying all the knots to the plan yet but those are all the things in motion we have a you not youtube a social media project as well as far as being our third portion of the projects everything could connect so you have the series that we're going to be releasing on ig live that's mm-hmm. going to roll over to what you watch on our youtube series and then that's going to roll over to what you see in the feature so my plan is to have everybody do a circle so it's like if you watch the feature never seen college boyfriends before the series 
you're going to watch the feature, but you're going to want to go back to YouTube to watch that part so that you can kind of like get a, a different glimpse. A reference. A reference. Yeah, get a reference of it. All so right. you said IG Live, but did you mean IG TV? Oh, yes. Ha, ha, ha. That's what I meant. Okay. <laughs> that's because everybody's going live right yes. now. So you're like. <laughs> Everybody. That's what I've never seen Everybody's this many IG live. Lives ever. I know. Ever. So what are you doing about funding? Where can people support the film? It's something about life. So right now, well, we were just getting ready to um, launch our crowdfunding before the corona started, and then we put it on a pause. So we'll be launching our actual pitch, our actual crowdfunding this, maybe next month, maybe next month. Okay. We just actually okay. finished a fundraiser earlier this, mar- this month. We just ended our first funding. But what I'm trying to do is really just get into... Uh, getting some grants um hopefully because i have so many different connections to other networks that Mm -hmm. i was advised to maybe see about pitching at first yeah before you know producing but yeah why not (laughs) what is the goal amount you want to raise anyway initially i said initially we were saying okay we can just do 10k because i'm thinking you know i've produced so much on nothing already i know how to work I know how to work mm-hmm. around the funding. So I said, if I could get 10K, I know I can do amazing with 10K for, a, um, you know, any low-budget film. At minimum, I would really like to raise at least 10K just just for for kicks and giggles to start, <laughs> you know? Okay. And then putting my budget together before, and this was when we first started, when I did my first draft of the film, I had put like 25K together. But then we started ripping stuff down, you know? I was like, you know, I can do it on 10K. So my goal is 10K. <laughs> Your goal is currently 10K. Okay, good. Everybody listening, go out there and support. It's something about life. Where can people support it? If you follow our page, the Right Thought Productions page, everything is linked um, in our bio. We're going to be dropping okay. our funding pages as soon as we get our pitch video finished and this corona stuff lines up a little bit. I figured, you know, maybe I'll wait and then let people get their minds together and stuff like that <laughs> before right, well, we, you start we're gonna call that. it that this is either gonna be a hit at film festivals or it's going to be pitched and picked up amen so that's what we're saying amen okay. <laughs> i want to ask what inspires your creativity what keeps you motivated people i see so many stories and just people around me whether it's family friends that even when I'm just having conversations, you can say something as simple as like, oh yeah, I fell down the stairs just today. And I would be like, hmm. So <laughs> I can use that. <laughs> I can use that. I think it's this interaction yeah. environment and keep me motivated. Right now, honestly, it's my niece and my nephew are keeping me motivated. I've always called them like my own kids because they are kind of similar to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, kids have a way of making you just want to do better and be better. And even though they are across the state, I just, I can see even from a distance how much they look up to me. My nephew told me the other Mm -hmm. day, he said, um, you know what I want to be when I get big? What? He's like, I want to be an animator because he knows how to draw good. I said, okay, cool. He said, and then I'm going to be a film producer like you and make animation. Wow. (laughs) And I was like. That's great. 
God, okay. <laughs> yeah, kids, they absorb everything. That's why you got to be careful what you do, what right. you say around them, because they're they're picking they're it up. Sponges. They're sponges. All right, so this is the part of the interview where we do rapid fire questions. Are you ready? I don't know, but I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, name your two favorite apps. My two favorite apps, TikTok and Instagram right now. Who would you love to collaborate with? I would love to collaborate with Issa Ray and Ava Duvis. What's your dream project or dream job? My dream project is a feature film I'm actually working on too called Flip. You're on a panel with four other powerful women. Who are they? Oh, powerful women. We got Ava. Ava, your name's going to be one. We got, I can't say her last, what's her last name? Amanda, you know what I'm talking about. Amanda Steinberg? Amanda Seals, that's my girl. Oh, Amanda Seals, okay. <laughs> Rihanna, she's she's pretty powerful. Yes. You know, that's my girl, she, she speaks to real facts. And mm-hmm. step four, Miss Maxine Waters. Yay. <laughs> Somebody else said her before. One person you'd love to sit down and have a conversation with? Oh, Jay-Z. Nice. Most famous person you've met? Beyonce. Really? Yeah, I met her at the opening. Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, whose success story inspires you the most? Mm, Taraji. Mm, yes. Favorite quote for the new decade? Favorite quote for the new decade? It's only dreaming if you sleep on it. What song is on rotation for you? Magic Hour by Demi Aiko. Nice. What book are you reading right now? The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Hey. <laughs> What's something new that you're learning? I am learning producing as I was taking the master class with Kimberlyna. I'm producing. Nice. How do you unplug? I meditate. How are you reinventing yourself in 2020? I am reinventing myself by acknowledging my flaws and accepting them. What is your personal why? The reason behind doing what you love? My personal why is because I want to feel free. I mean, I want to express my voice without being afraid of opinions. Nice. Lastly, what's your advice for the ultimate way in? My advice for the ultimate way in is be open to opportunities. Even if they aren't the best opportunity or like the opportunity you want, you can find some type of way to finesse OW out of it. I like the W, the win, win, win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> All right, Tina, this is so great speaking to you. I feel like you have so many accomplishments that you are going to blaze and everyone is going to know your name. And I really suggest that people go to Right Style Productions YouTube channel and watch College Boyfriends because... I think you're going to kill the movie 
And again, it's either going to be in festivals or you're going to pitch it and someone's going to pick it up. Hallelujah. So proud of you. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) It was a blast.